Lamentations 3. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry out and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long, they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Will you just bow with me and pray? God, we want to humble ourselves before you. We bow down before you. We humble ourselves before your word. God, I just want to acknowledge that your spirit is here and he's moving. God, I just pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts. He's the teacher. He's the one that knows what we need to hear today. Lord, but would you use your word to speak your truth to your people? Lord, I only have one message, but you have lots of things that you want to say 
to your people. Holy Spirit, speak. Jesus, it's in your powerful and resurrected name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got it right there. Love it. Let's turn into that kind of church. Let's turn into an amen kind of church. Let's, let's get into it a little bit. We're in uh, week chapter four of, uh, on the book of Lamentations, learning the art of lament. It's been a challenging book. There have been not a lot of amens so far. I want to just share a little bit about how we got here. Uh, last fall, when Chris Townley moved from or came here to be our teaching pastor and kind of share this responsibility with me, one of the things I decided I wanted to do was just kind of wipe the slate clean on what it was going to look like for our teaching going forward. I had some ideas. He had some ideas. When we sat down for that meeting, he said, I would really like to do an eight-week series on the book of Lamentations leading up to Easter. You know what I did? I laughed out loud. Chris wasn't laughing back at me. We began to talk about it. We began to pray and began to think a little bit about what this would mean for our church. And we just became convinced that this is what God wanted for us. I hadn't done a deep study on the book of Lamentations, but I knew that there was darkness there. There were things that were discouraging. This is not the feel-good book of the year. But this book is in his book, friends, and it's there for a reason. And we would just think about the world that we live in right now, when the tide of human suffering is just beating up against our life and our world time and time again. Is there ever a book that would be more relevant than the book of Lamentations, but yet oftentimes so neglected? How often do we read it? How often have we ever heard it preached on? Very little would be my guess. But we miss out when we miss out on the book of Lamentations. Neglect of this book deprives the 21st century church of the language of lament, the language of sorrow. This whole genre and vocabulary that God has given as a gift to his people for a reason. You see, lamentations, lament, and lament is found all over the Bible, not just in the book of Lamentations. It's given to us for a reason. It's a form of protest and complaint to God. As we look at the things that are happening in the world and we just think this ought not be, this doesn't seem right to us. What lament does for us, it actually gives us a way to process the deep emotions that we feel when our life encounters suffering. And our life does encounter suffering. It gives us a place to voice the confusion and the disorientation that happens when suffering unleashes itself into our life. Suffering does a lot of things to us and in us. But one of the things that suffering tends to do is it starts to raise questions. It starts to raise questions in our mind. Questions about God's goodness. Questions about God's faithfulness. Questions about God's promises. Can we trust him? And just a simple question, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all this that is going on? And what Lamentations does for us, friends, is it gives a sacred dignity to the voice of those that are in suffering. 
that are willing to ask those questions powerfully and strongly to their God. To never read Lamentations is for us, friends, we would miss out on the incredible challenge, but yet I would also say the reward of actually wrestling with some of the most difficult theological questions that come out of the text of Lamentations. We need to go there. How do we live in this world where there are the extremes of human suffering, suffering in all of our lives in different ways and forms and degrees? How do we live with that and the reality that we read about a God in scriptures that is good and faithful, has compassion on his people? How do those things two exist together? God, where are you? If you just dropped in here today, I want to just give you briefly a little bit of the biblical and historical context that the book of Lamentations comes out of. The circumstances that give rise to these five beautiful poems is the destruction of Jerusalem in 587 BC by the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar. This is undoubtedly the most traumatic thing that happened to the nation of Israel and all of the Old Testament. The human suffering was devastating. The physical and emotional trauma. Devastating demolition of their beautiful city, the city of Jerusalem. And the absolute humiliation of their national pride. All this happened to them in 587 BC. And it began for the nation of Israel to call into question everything that they believed that they knew, everything that they thought was theologically promised to them. We were always gonna have a king in the line of David sitting on the throne, gone. This beautiful city of Zion, the city of Jerusalem that we were gonna rule from, gone. The temple of God. The temple of God where we went to worship our living and powerful God, gone. All of it, gone. Everything that they thought was so sure in life, gone. So wrestling with the question, what, what, what does the future hold? If all these things that we thought were bedrock, foundation, what we knew of God is gone, how can we trust him for the future? And how do we handle the present? Just the human devastation that's happening. How do we do that? Has all hope been lost? Now I just want to say that I know it is incredibly difficult to try to compare anybody's suffering. But I want us to try to move from 587 BC to now. I want you to start to think a little bit about your own life, your own world, your own circumstances, the own, your own Suffering. Have you ever been there? We've lost hope. Are you there right now? Or do you start to think about the future? You're just wondering, is there hope there? Or just the reality of the circumstances of the present are producing so much pain and suffering in your life, you just wonder, am I gonna make it another day? No, you're not there? Well, here's what I can promise you. There are people all over this room and we're there. 
We're experiencing those kinds of things in our very life today. We need to learn the art of lament. We need to learn what it is that God has given us to grieve the brokenness of this world. Because it's out of this terrible situation that the nation of Israel finds themselves in, this unspeakable pain, frustration, and questioning that the book of Lamentation speaks. The poets of Lamentations, they dare to describe the indescribable in all of its rawness, in all of its detail. And they do so in tear-soaked poetry that is just amazingly beautiful and deep. And we just heard it read, chapter three, as we step into chapter three, you'll notice that the tense changes from some of the previous things that the authors did. It was, it was more of a general, this is what we're experiencing together and it becomes much more personal. This is what I'm experiencing. This is my pain and suffering. I'm experiencing what it feels like to feel the rod of God's discipline. I'm experiencing what it feels like to be walled in and imprisoned, to feel like I'm being hunted down by God and arrows shot through my heart. It was very personal to him. Where is God in my suffering? And as we listen to his voice, it just sounds like he's got this picture that he is abandoned and distant but then everything turns. Everything turns in the middle of chapter three. In the very middle of the middle book, everything changes, verse 21, with one simple little word, yet. Yet. After two and a half chapters of complaint and protest, the writer says, yet I still dare to hope. When I remember this, when I remember this, literally in the language, it says, this I cause to return to my heart. I'm making this happen. I'm making this happen to me. It wasn't like he was just lamenting and complaining. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, hey, a light bulb goes on. He is forcing himself to remember what he knows, that he knows, that he knows about the character of God, his goodness and his faithfulness. And friends, in lament, when we learn the art of lament sometimes, it means that we need to make a conscious act of the will, a conscious act of the will to remember the things that we know to be true. Even when we look at the circumstances around us and it seems like everything points to the exact opposite. There are things that we need to remember are true. Lamentations 3, 21. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him, so that it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord.
Do you ever read your Bible sometimes and there's things you come across that just make you shake your head and you just wonder what, what in the world is going on here? I hope that you do because that means that you're actually reading it and you're actually paying attention because sometimes there's just head shakers. And to me, this is one of them. How can after two and a half chapters of complaint, protest, and lament, shaking your fist at God, can you suddenly come to a place where you say, God is good. The Lord is good to me. I wonder, like, did his honesty just run out? Like, this is what I'm feeling, but I feel like maybe now I better say something nice to God so that he doesn't get mad at me. Not at all. But this is what happens to him. And this is what we need to know about lament. Nothing that the poet says now cancels out anything that he said before. Any of the suffering that he's described before. It remains in his memory and it remains in our text. Nothing changes that. The poet doesn't deny it. And friends, neither should we. Neither should we deny the reality of our suffering. You know what else I notice? The poet doesn't apologize for the things that he says. And friends, I don't think either should we. God has given us a voice to talk to him about the pain and suffering in our life. But here's what happened with the poet. Something changed. Something changed. That two and a half chapters of pain and suffering changed. No longer is he drowning in it because of that deliberate act of remembrance. I'm gonna remember, I'm gonna force myself to remember what I know to be true about God. He is good. God is good and faithful. There's a picture that I want you to have as you remember the book of Lamentations, and specifically chapter three. I want you to think about this beautiful jewel. And guys, what did you get your wife for Valentine's Day? <laughs> Pulled out all the stops. I want you to think about this jewel. Now, if you went to a jeweler and he wanted to highlight to you the beauty of a jewel, let me tell you what he won't do. He's not just gonna hand it to you and say, check it out, look at it in your hands. You know what he's gonna do? He's gonna hand it to you like this. He's gonna put it on a backdrop of dark black velvet because this is what he knows happens. When you put this beautiful jewel on this backdrop of this dark velvet, it causes it to shine. You're able to see its brilliance when you look at it with that backdrop. Friends, this is how we need to think about the book of Lamentations and specifically chapter three. Chapter three, right in the middle, God gives us this jewel, this jewel reminder of what is true about him, his goodness, his faithfulness, his compassion. But he sets it forever in the context of the suffering of his people. What we tend to wanna do sometimes is to pluck that out Pluck out that message of God's goodness away from the suffering. Let's just focus on this. Don't do it, my friends. Don't do it because we miss, we miss the message of the book. The message of God's book, the message of Lamentations is that his goodness shines greatest 
in the midst of our suffering. There are two realities that we've got to live our life between. The reality of human suffering and evil and the reality of God's goodness and his compassion for his people. We've got to live in that tension because it's when we see the jewel in that context that we understand the hope. We understand the hope that there is in God, putting our focus on him. We can't dismiss one or the other, the darkness or the jewel. We need to exist in both and we need to declare both. That is what lament is. And this connection between God's goodness and his compassion and the suffering that we experience in this world, this is not just a theme that is isolated to the book of Lamentations. This is a theme that runs throughout the whole of scripture. This is how Paul talks about this in the New Testament. Philippians chapter three, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. It's like, I wanna know Christ. I wanna experience him in all of his fullness and all of his resurrected glory. And then Paul says, and this is how I'm gonna do it. I wanna suffer. I wanna suffer with him, sharing in his death. Suffering and experiencing God are tied together in this life. It is a theme that runs throughout all of the scriptures. And it's probably run through your own experience as well. I read this story about Francis Chan. He went to Korea to visit this missionary. And this missionary was one of 23 missionaries that in 2007 was captured by the Taliban. They were captured and imprisoned and tortured. And they realized over time that what was gonna happen was that each one of them, one by one, was going to be executed. So what started was some of the men that were there just said, I'm gonna go first. I'm the eldest, I go first. Another said, I'm gonna pull rank on you. I'm an ordained pastor, I go first. They're arguing over who was gonna die first. The pastor, the ordained pastor died. The elder died. And then right then, something happened. A deal was struck and all of the rest of the missionaries were set free. But here's what happened. Francis Chan, talking with one of these freed missionaries, he was talking about the conversations that he had with all of the other missionaries over the years. And they would always come back to him and they would say the exact same thing. Pastor, don't you wish that we were still imprisoned by the Taliban? In your mind, you're thinking, why would somebody ever say that? Why would, ever, why would ever anybody want to go through that kind of suffering? But he said, this was their common refrain. When I was surrounded by those soldiers, I felt the presence of Jesus in there with me. Now that I am back in Seoul, I'm trying to experience that intimacy with him, but I can't. I fast and I pray and I don't feel it the same way. I would rather go back there because of the intimacy with him. I don't think we always wanna believe this, friends, but any of us that have walked with God for probably any amount of time can look back and say, sometimes God does his deepest work in us, his greatest transformational work in us in the midst of some of our deepest pain. 
this picture, we've got to hold this up in our life. We've got to see the jewel of God's presence, the jewel of his faithfulness, sits in the midst of the pain and the brokenness of this world. This is our human experience. This is part of what it means to walk with Christ and to suffer with Christ. Why? Why do we need this art of lament? Why do we need to do this? I started to think a little bit. Like, what would be the cost? What would be the cost to me or the cost to any of us to not learn how to do this with God? Three things jumped to my mind. And the first one was that when suffering comes to us, it will become disorienting if this is not something that we expect. And we will spend our life trying to do everything we can to shelter our lives and protect our lives from suffering. And when it comes, and friends, it will come. It just does. It'll be completely disorienting to us. And so in our attempt to try to keep it away from us, what we can tend to do is to try to medicate our life, to try to keep ourselves from feeling the pain and the suffering. And everybody does medication in their own way. Sometimes it's drugs, alcohol, sex, recreation, entertainment, workaholism. Everybody chooses something different, but we choose things to try to numb our soul to the pain around us. But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants to invite him into it with us. Walk through it with him. I love how Peter talks about suffering in the book of 1 Peter. He just says that suffering's gonna happen and there's two things that we need to do with suffering. One, we gotta expect it. Expect that it's gonna happen. And the second thing that we need to do is that we need to experience it. We need to expect it and we need to experience it. 1 Peter chapter four, verse 12. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. Expect it. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. We join with Christ in his suffering so that for the purpose of that you would have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Don't try to run from it. Don't try to medicate from it. He says, expect it and be willing to experience it, but experience it with him. Second thing I was thinking about is if we don't learn the art of lament, we're not gonna know how to process the negative emotions, the challenging emotions, the intense emotions that come with pain and suffering. We'll do everything we can to try to push it down, to try to hide our emotions, to try to hide our thoughts, when what God wants us to do is express it with him and with people. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with a, a dear friend. And eight months ago, tragedy struck his family. He lost his oldest son in a tragic accident. His son was the same age as my oldest son. And when I think about him and I pray for him and I think about the anguish going on in his life, it just wrecks me inside. When I sat down with him, I, at one point I just said, how you doing? And he said, you know, really, I try to just make it day to day still. 
And he said, you know, yesterday was a really bad day. This is what he said. He said, God and I, we had it out. He started to talk a little bit about that. Then at one point, he just kind of dropped his head and he said, I'm, I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed by the things that I said. Everything in me, I just felt compelled. I had to tell him. I said, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. I believe that that's what God is inviting us to do in lament. I think you did the right thing. I think if you took the things that you said and you wrote it as a poem, it would sit beautifully next to the other poems of the book of Lamentations. I think that's the invitation to us. We've got to learn to express to God the things that are happening inside of us. We can't bottle it up. And the last thing I felt like the, the cost to us as individuals and, and as a church family, if we don't learn the art of lament, we're not gonna know how to help each other. Friends, we've got to learn to help each other through the suffering and pain of this world. This is how the... Paul says it in Romans 12, 15, a command. He says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Some of you may have heard that more often as mourn with those who mourn. Lament with those who lament. Sometimes I think we just completely forget that this is something that God invites us to do together. This book of Lamentations, it's a communal book. They did this together. We don't suffer alone. We're to do this together. Sometimes I think we think the command says, rejoice with those who rejoice, and for those who mourn, tell them why they should be rejoicing. That's not what it says. It says, weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. I've been thinking about this. I think we just gotta get a lot better, friends. I think it's just being willing to hold each other in our pain. Be willing to just be with each other in our pain. Learn how to cry with each other. Mourn with those who mourn. Let our tears mingle together as we pour out our hearts to God about the pain and the suffering in this world. Something that Chris said in one of his messages that has just so resonated with me, I wanna say it again. He said that lament is not evidence of a loss of faith. As we cry out to God in this way in frustration, it's not an evidence of a loss of faith. It's actually evidence of a covenant relationship with God. Friends, we can't lament unless we know that we've got a covenant relationship with God. He is there and he is not going anywhere. He is right there. You can't lament. You can't pound on the chest of a God that is not there. You can't cry on the shoulder of a God that you imagine somehow has abandoned you and is a million miles away. You've got to know he's right there. And you've got to know that he, more than anyone, knows what it's like to weep with those who weep. He wants to weep with you as you cry out to him. And I just want to remind you, his chest is big enough to pound on. His shoulders are big enough to cry on. And his ego is not such that he can't hear your unbridled, 
unfiltered anguish and leave. He is gonna be there. He's there and he's not going anywhere. Lament is not evidence that we're losing our faith. It's evidence that we have a covenant relationship with God. I wanna just ask you to set your things aside and I wanna give God the opportunity to have the last word in your life today. Would you just ask him, God, what do you want me to hear from you today? God, I just wanna say that I am so grateful that when those questions come to our heart and those questions come to our mind, where are you, God? That the truth is, is that you're right there and you're not going anywhere. God, thank you that you've given us a voice and a vocabulary to be able to pour out our hearts and our lives to you. God, I just wanna pray for our family here, our church family. God, would you teach us the art of lament? Would you teach us how to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn? We wanna do it with each other and we wanna do it with you and we wanna do it well in ways that honor each other, God, and first and foremost, honor you. Thank you for this invitation to lament. We're so grateful. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and resurrected name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information, or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.